And while he walks up, I'll just read a quick bio on him. He'll be uh, presenting the professionalism and ethics uh, 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 presentation today. Sandy Limbili is a fellow of the Actuarial Society and co-director at Ar African Origins Actuarial Solutions. He has a long history in life assurance and pensions work, most recent as a retirement funds consulting actuary at Old Mutual. He is a member of the Professional Matters Board of ASA. Uh, please help me welcome Sandile. Well, as I say, welcome to the graveyard session. Um, and the most fascinating thing is that when it's the last presentation, all of a sudden everybody wakes up because it's just our time to go. Um, <clears throat> to, to kick off, let me greet everyone. Uh, good afternoon. Um, the Professional Matters Board uh, sets out to to engage uh, members on matters of professionalism, and the manner of engagement uh, varies and includes discussions of various lifelike and real-life case studies that touch on uh, professionalism issues. And today's discussion is, is no different. We've conducted a couple of these at, at the at the previous seminars, uh, conferences organized by the LIFE and the short-term committee, and I think we've done one or two at the previous uh, conventions. Um, these discussions, or shall I say these sessions, aren't really like deliveries of um, uh, fresh material in, in any way. Um, they, they are, um, we, we aim to encourage members of the society to to discuss these matters as frequently as uh, they can and they have time to in any manner and uh, whether formal or, or informal. So the sessions are designed or put together in a, in a manner that just encourages discussion to happen between or among members of the profession. And in this session, that's exactly what we are going to be trying to do and achieve. During the formal sessions at the conventions and conferences like this one, we invite you to uh, we invite you and encourage you to discuss the issues that are raised by the case studies that we show you, and we invite you to to, to initiate those discussions with the people next sitting next to you. Um, so it works a lot better if we are sitting next to each other. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to regroup everyone, but uh, take the opportunity of talking to the people next to you, and if you happen to be sitting on your own, uh, maybe you can join another group, unless you've got this extraordinary skill of having a, a good conversation with yourself. <clears throat> Some of the issues that get raised by these case studies uh, might be controversial, and therefore they might not be a right or wrong answer, and so don't be deterred by you not finding what you believe is the right answer. It's all about discussion so that you can hear or get 
the viewpoint of the other person sitting next to you, with the hope that outside of this, you will be able, willing to raise similar discussions with the people at your office or other fellow actuaries wherever you meet, you meet them, so that discussions on this carry on. Uh, let me just see if this thing works, which it does. Uh, it's, it's just about the, the, the summary of what I've been saying so far. And it is through such uh, discussions um, that we become aware, we become aware of and mitigate any actions or decisions that might bring us and our profession um, into into some form of, of disrepute. Imagine waking up in one morning to a press release that looks like that. That's not a real case study, but I must tell you that it's something we adapted from a real recent uh, event that has happened. And unless we discuss things around professionalism and, the, and ethical behavior, over time, we'll slowly and slowly move in the direction where we end up doing things that bring us to something like this. In today's session, I will lead you to, through some few comments on, on ethical behavior and professionalism. You will have and be given an opportunity to review a case study which, um, which uh, uh, we, we received from the, IF, uh, the Institute and Faculty of, of Actuaries, which uh, I must say uh, we are very grateful that they allowed us to use one of their case studies. And uh, you will be given an opportunity to discuss the issues that arise from from, from the video, and you will have another opportunity again um, later on in this in the session, where you'll also discuss another case with uh, a local flavour. Thereafter, we will open the floor so that we can all share um, the learnings of the day, and also just make a comment on how you feel uh, about the maybe even the shape of these. Um, sessions going forward. <clears throat> I did say I'll just comment briefly on issues of, of on professionalism. I'm not giving a lecture or anything on it, but just to quickly have a recap, that professionalism in general refers to the conduct and aims or qualities that characterize a profession like ours. And the principles of a professional conduct include, obviously, firstly, the knowledge and expertise of the members of the profession, which includes all the things that we learn and are taught uh, to, to, become, to become actuaries. And secondly, uh, it's about the values and the behaviors of members and the profession as a whole, which is about how we do things or go about um, doing things in our lives at work uh, or elsewhere. And thirdly, it's about accountability, which is us um, remaining accountable 
to the uh, requirements uh, of the profession that we, believe, that we belong to. Basically, all that meaning that as members, we will perform only those professional services for which um, we are competent and are appropriately experienced. We shall always act with, with honesty, uh, with integrity, competence, and true care, and in a manner that fulfills our responsibility uh, as a profession to the, uh, to, to the public. And we will always subject ourselves as uh, members of the profession to the requirements uh, of, the profession, of, the, of the society and, uh, and oversight by the society, and that in whatever we do, we will be, we won't do anything that brings the, uh, the profession into disrepute. And like I said um, earlier, unless we talk about these things, we will slowly, slowly and without realizing be doing more and more of the things that we shouldn't be doing and end up with the cases that we have just shown you uh, earlier on. Ethics, on the other hand, uh, uh, is defined in one dictionary as a social, religious, or civil code of behavior con considered correct, especially that of a particular group or, or profession. <clears throat> so it's very clear then that ethical behavior is an integral part uh, of, of professionalism. And in, in our instance, in, in ASA, we actually have the, the Code of Professional Conduct, which covers in, uh, in, in, in fair detail the, the requirements for, for ethical behavior with the checks and balances um, that go with it. Now, the, 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 the issue about ethical behavior is this. We, we, we know we, we attend uh, professionalism causes at the entry of the, uh, of, the, of the profession or at some time during our professional lives. Um, but can ethical behavior also be taught in the same, um, along the same lines as we get taught about what to, to do and how to go about uh, to meet our professional requirements. Now, the debates are still going on as to whether ethical behavior can be taught to anybody or to any group of people. Um, and uh, the, while the debates are, are carrying on, I don't think we can be sitting back until debates are settled and do nothing about helping ourselves to, to monitor ourselves that we, we're doing uh, or following behaviors that are seen uh, to be, uh, to be uh, uh, ethical. Given the importance of ethical behavior in our profession, sessions like these can at least best throw the attention of, of members to these matters and at best guide us to check ourselves whenever we make decisions or about to take uh, decisions. There are some, some guidelines Sorry, I pressed the wrong button. 
There are some guidelines that are, are picked up um, by a gentleman by the name of Tom, of Dr. Likona, in, in his article called uh, Character Matters, which I thought were practical, very simple practical guidelines that maybe we could use from time to time just to, to, to check on ourselves just before we make decisions or just before we act whether what we are doing is something that's regarded to be ethical. And it's a set of, of questions that we can ask ourselves. Um, from what he calls the golden rule, which says, would I want people to do this to me? Does this action represent the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Uh, would I want everyone to do this? Uh, would I want people to lie or cheat or whatever? In other words, before you cheat, ask yourself that question. Okay, so it's a set of questions. I'm, I'm sure we might find other similar um, um, tests or guidelines that we can use at least to check ourselves as we go. We added a couple uh, more. One being ask yourself, what does the um, Code of Professional Conduct actually say uh, about what you are just about to do or what um, you decision you are just about to make? And is it legal that you are about to do um, or not? Okay. So get yourself a, a couple of checks that you can use and I'm encouraging you to think of those little checks that you can make even as we go through the case studies that I'm going to be playing just now. The, the first case study that we, we're going to look at is the case study we got from the Institute and Faculty uh, of Actuaries. Um, it's about um, an actuary by the name of, of Paul. Um, Paul, in this case study, is an actuary in his middle 40s or late 40s, and um, it's about uh, a company called Rock, Rock Solid Life. He is a senior ma manager and a member of the team. He's just worried about one aspect uh, of the, or part of the job he's do, doing, which is capital modeling, and he seems to be the only person that's, that's, that's concerned, and everybody else is just cool with what's going on. And Sam is his wife, and is not an actuary, and Rich, that he talks to at the end of the case, is uh, his friend who is also um, an actuary. So I would encourage that um, we watch you, that we watch the case, and then after that we'll have 10 minutes of discussion that uh, we're encouraging among yourselves. So find yourself a partner, uh, or else use that extraordinary skill of conversing with yourself. Great timing, darling. Mm. Dinner is nearly ready. What, you cooked? Well, okay, it's on its way then. We're not Chinese again. We're having pizza, Daddy. Oh, great. Gluten-free pizza. Great. Okay, Grumpy, what's up? You stressed? Step into my office, take a seat. Talk to me, my love. You hate it when I tell you about actuary stuff. You say it's boring. No, I don't. Oh, Paul, my darling husband, you look like you need to vent. And as your devoted wife, it is my job to make you feel better. Besides, pizza won't be here for ten minutes, so I've got time to kill. You asked for it. I sure did. 
now. Don't leave anything out. I love a bit of actuarial gibberish on a Friday night. Well, do you remember that um, senior management meeting I went to in France last month? Uh, how could I forget? You've only just stopped complaining about the trains being late. Yeah, well, I just found out that the MD flew there by corporate jet to deliver a speech on cost control. Perks of being the boss, I suppose. Yeah, well, it annoyed me. And that's it? No, you've been grouchy all week, Paul. There's more to it than that. Start from the beginning. Let's talk it through. As part of this senior management scheme I'm on, I spent three years in secondments in different areas of the business. That finished last month, and I returned to where I thought I was happiest, the capital modelling team. I'm senior manager of that team. Okay. I mean, I know all this, Paul. Well, you said start from the beginning. Well, yes, but I don't want to die of boredom before we get to the bit where I can actually help. Well, anyway, it's not what I, I thought it would be, you know. The whole approach to capital modelling has changed in the last three years. It's like a foreign language. You know, it's so complex, layers within layers. Uh, tell the truth, I just feel stupid. Well, saying stuff like that is stupid. You're the second cleverest person I know. Well, who's the cleverest? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, look, sometimes I ask my team for model documentation to try to get to grips with what's going on. And it's either too generic or it's written in such meticulous technical jargon that I, I just get lost and no one else seems to worry how the whole thing works. They just get on with it. Well, I can understand that. I mean, when you drive a car, you just drive it. You don't need to know how the engine is built, do you? No, that's just it. I think I should be able to tell you how an engine is built, even in simple terms. I'm worried because in the last three years that I've been away, the volume of business has grown by 80%, but the capital requirements have only edged up by 10%. So you know what that means, don't you? Not even a little bit. Well, it means that this new complex modelling is delivering much lower capital per volume of business than the previous simpler version. And I don't know what assumption or methodology is driving this relative reduction, but I do know that we might have crossed the line to what is reasonable and what is not reasonable. Okay, so now I'm confused. I mean, isn't lower capital a good thing for the company? Well, yeah, in principle, everyone's happy and it looks great to the shareholders. I spoke to my boss about it and he seems pretty relaxed about the whole thing. And he said this new, more sophisticated modelling gives us a greater understanding of the sub-risks. And hey, presto through the magic of diversification, the result in capital is lower. I forgot to order garlic bread. Oh, I've lost you. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm still with you, honest. Don't... Uh, look, this new, sparkly, complicated modelling thing, I mean, is everyone else happy with it? Well, yeah, it's been signed off by everyone, auditors, risk committee, the board, even the regulators didn't ask many questions. You know, my boss is happy and he said that I should be happy too and we've got more important things to worry about. Well, if your boss is happy, then there's not much you can do, my love. I mean, you don't want to go against him, do you? Didn't he say that you managing this capital modelling team was a bit of a springboard for future promotion? Yeah, he did, but it doesn't mean I should ignore my gut, does it? You know, the company is looking impressively solid and we're growing strongly and meeting our ambitious and aggressive targets. The shareholders are pleased. Everyone is looking good for pay rises. My end of year is coming up soon and I seem to be the only person who is not happy with this capital modelling. Everybody else, including a lot of very experienced and very intelligent actuaries, are happy with it.
Is it worth getting this worked up about it? Yeah, but we're dealing with something that I can't properly explain. If certain events conspire against us, we could find ourselves unable to respond. We could even run out of money. Even worse than that, we could be heading for a complete disaster and no one else seems to notice. I don't know what to do. Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> I envy you, Rich, you know. You were an actuary for what, 25 years? 27 years. Retired in your 50s, rainy days playing golf, <laughs> <laughs> drinking in the afternoon. You're living the dream, mate. Well, hard work will get you there, mate. Hey, what's the latest on that capital modelling issue? The last time we spoke, you were going to talk to your boss about it again. Yeah, I did. I had to. I just wasn't happy, you know. And how'd it go? Amicable enough. You know, Stuart's a nice guy and we get on well, but... He was pretty clear about me not going on some lone crusade to pick apart something that's already been signed off. He wants me to concentrate on the firm's strategic plans. So you're just going to drop it? It's not like you. I don't think I can drop it, you know. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the whole thing. I just don't know what to do. I'm wary of raising the issue formally or through the firm's whistleblowing procedure, you know. It, it could be career suicide. What would you do? It's a tough one, mate. I don't really have enough information to be sure, but it might be worth having a chat with the profession support service. You reckon? How does that work? Oh, I don't really know the ins and outs. Never used them myself, but well, I've heard good things, and it's free. Free. <laughs> That's my favourite word. Yeah, I've noticed. Yeah. So what is it? Two blokes sat behind a desk or something? No, it's like a panel of experienced actuaries, and you tell them the problem, they give you advice. I'm sure there's more to it than that, but you get the gist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. experienced actors, are you one of them? <laughs> You're kidding, aren't you? I'm too busy playing golf. Yeah. Um, is all this anonymous? Yeah. I'm sure they could help you. Depends on the issue, I suppose. I don't know, mate. Someone might find out. It's your call, Paul. It's not for everyone. Yeah, why don't you ever think about it? While you're at the bar. Fascinating. You know, when there's silence like this, you feel like bursting into song and doing a machine one. <clears throat> okay, we will have a, a, a brief uh, break for three for you to discuss with the three people sitting next to you, three or four people or five, um, and we'll have ten minutes for for discussion of the issues that come out of this. So. Yeah, maybe let's do that uh, for about 10 minutes. The, the questions that um, might also help the discussion could be things like, uh, should Paul continue to, to ask questions or just let it drop because everybody's cool about it? Or how could Paul find out more about the, 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 the model? And how could he assure himself that the model is robust has he taken a role maybe that he's not ready for? And, and that has got issues again on professionalism. What ethical and professional issues arise in the instance that we've seen? So 10 minutes it will be. Thanks. 
Um, although it's not exactly up uh, the, the 10 minutes, but you know, time is so short when you're having fun. And I was very encouraged by uh, the, the active discussions that I saw taking place here. And also few people, maybe one or two, that uh, walked out to get more inspiration to come back again. <laughs> Yeah. And um, yeah, and I'm hoping that the discussions are so vigorous because we're discussing this case, not Mother's Day on Sunday. Um, but basically, like I said, this is not about right and wrong, and, and the whole point of the of, of, of the of the exercise was more of getting us to initiate a discussion on something that we, we've experienced or something that we've seen, so that you can also get the, the views of, of the other people. And uh, it's a start here, and when you come out of here and you are with your colleagues, um, initiate the discussion on any of the matters that you feel are relevant and, and are important, so as to ensure that we talk about these behavioral issues, we talk about the various aspects or elements of professionalism where we see something other is not going right, or we feel in compromise in one way or the other, or we feel we are uncertain about the decisions we are about to take, because it helps to, to, to talk to your fellow professionals, uh, your younger professionals, or even your, your older uh, um, members of the, of the profession. Um, in, in closing, uh, I'll just pick up on one point that, was, that came out in the case about um, a professional support service by the Institute. We may not have a similar service here, but through the ASA office, you, you definitely have access to a number of very experienced actuaries uh, out there who may be able or in a position to help to guide you to basically to wade through whatever the issues are that uh, you find challenging in the work uh, that you, you, you do. Okay, just uh, in, in closing on this case, um, just to touch on the principles from our uh, code of uh, professional conduct that uh, we probably would likely have had to consider given the situation that we've, that we've seen um, is that members will, will, will show respect for others in the way that they conduct themselves in their professional lives. So in whatever we do, we will make sure that we show respect for the uh, people that we, we deal with. And uh, differences of opinion among members must be conducted, conducted objectively and with courtesy and respect. It does happen in our, in, our, in, in, in our work that you differ with your, uh, with your colleagues, you differ with your peers from other organizations, that those differences of opinion, the manner in which they are addressed should be uh, objective and it should be with courtesy and should be with respect. We shouldn't enter into public spats, which at the end of the day will bring our profession into disrepute. Members will consider whether the advice 
uh, from other professionals is necessary to assume the relevance and quality of their work. I think that's just, I think it's a given that you will have to get advice from other people, from other professionals, especially in areas that you, you yourself are not comfortable um, or you don't have prior experience, in which case in the very first place, um, you shouldn't have automatically accepted an assignment which you know you are not properly qualified or experienced to, to do. But there is a wealth of experience among other fellow professionals that uh, we can uh, source. Uh, members will not allow um, undue influence from others to override their professional judgment. I think that also goes without saying. We do find ourselves in situations where uh, other people basically override whatever opinion, professional opinion that you, you have put out there and uh, that you shouldn't immediately just crawl back into your hole and uh, let things happen. I think you need to take appropriate action, get the advice, get the support to ensure that your opinion is properly uh, taken into account. And that members uh, will speak up if they believe that a cause of action is unlawful, unethical and improper. Um, that if you see things that uh, are basically outside um, the the, uh, the, the, the uh, well, are unprofessional or are unethical, that you also don't just crawl back into your hole uh, or keep quiet, that members have got the responsibility that uh, they take action uh, about that. Um, in a previous presentation, when we raised this point, um, the member of the audience actually asked that if in, in, in future... Uh, presentations of, or sessions of this nature. We have a closer look at the whistleblowing re responsibility of members of the profession because clearly there is certain ways in which you can, um, you can do that and there are certain ways that you shouldn't um, uh, do that so that uh, it might be advisable that in future sessions we have a look at that at that angle of our professional responsibility. So I thought let me just close by picking these up. They come from um, um, uh, professional codes of conduct and are the sort of things that you would watch out or look out for in the, in the, in the context of what you are doing as, what's his name, Paul was uh, finding himself in this case. This is our last, last uh, case study. Um, like I said at the beginning, it's not a real issue about actuarial, the actuarial profession, but it's a real story about professionals and um, professionals and a uh, firm of, uh, of professionals uh, in, in, in our own country. And some of you might even recognize which case, which actual case this was. Um, and it's a, a very good example of, um, of how real the risk is that a profession can get drawn into disrepute in the manner that this has happened. And it's a, a very good example of, the, of how real this risk is when uh, the professionals or a firm um, is seen 
to be involved in um, unethical or unprofessional behaviors um, or corruption or anything of the sort. Um, the question that we, we, we are trying to address here is that given this set of events that have happened around that particular profession, now if you're looking at our profession um, and you want to, to ensure similar doesn't happen, that we don't bring our profession to disrepute, what can we say about this kind of circumstance? What uh, professionalism and ethical questions um, have arisen in the context of this kind of case that we've seen in recent months? And what do you think um, uh, could, have gone, could have gone wrong um, for things to actually come to, 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 to where they are? And what can the, our actuarial profession here do to ensure that uh, we do not suffer any reputational damage um, we don't end up in the press like that. Is adherence to the code of professional conduct enough? Shall we say we've done enough if we just stick to, to, to that, that we are mitigating this risk enough? So I'm encouraging discussion around these points, around your experiences as you saw that particular case unfold. Unfortunately, we've got, for those that are looking forward to the next half hour discussing this, We've only got five minutes to, to discuss this, and uh, we'll then wrap up the, this case uh, thereafter. So let's take our five minutes. One, once again, um, it wasn't quite five minutes, but um, fortunately, fun has to come to, to an end at some point. Um, Equally, I was encouraged by the level of activities uh, that have taken place here. Um, I'm not comparing you to any other audience, but uh, some other audiences were not as vigorous as you guys were. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. uh, <clears throat> so um, I think, again, in the same vein, <clears throat> excuse me, as the previous case, the point was discussion started and especially around these circumstances that we've seen in the, in the recent days, one would encourage even more and more vigorous uh, uh, discussions happening outside uh, of this forum. Um, I think even in the previous discussion where we were discussing that APN, I think a question arose that sort of touched on this, um, on the implications of the recent events, whether they've been taken into account or influenced. The, the update of that uh, particular APM. Okay. So we are about to come to, to the close of the, of the session, but before we do so, um, I would like us to share what we've picked up out of this uh, ses session and what we believe we could also do to help one another along the way and maintain, in maintaining um, the professional standards and the ethical behaviors behaviors as is expected of us uh, going forward. So we've got a couple of minutes for, for comments or contributions that might be coming from, from the floor as to what we've learned and what we think we, we can do um, uh, going forward. There are some ideas that came out of um, 
previous sessions that um, to encourage the uh, keeping our finger on the pulse uh, as we go through our daily uh, daily work that maybe um, the, 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 the actuaries or, or, or members of the profession that are working for the large organizations uh, or the actuarial training organizations, if you don't have discussion groups already, that maybe it's something to consider uh, to, to have some kind of a, a formal internal uh, group discussion which will look at basically various issues that crop up and how they touch your professional life and they, how they touch your, 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 your company. I know um, some of us work for the large organization, some of us are the only ones in the business. In that instance, then I'm sure you could find um, a drinks group that you can uh, be together and uh, have discussions before the drinks. Um, or we have lunch groups. Um, um, basically just participate in groups where we can keep these kind of discussions uh, going. The other um, thing that some of, of you can do is to help write South African case studies uh, on, on, on issues around professional, pro professionalism. We don't have, we had to basically uh, get uh, the assistance from the institute. Let's get some local case studies for those that are in the academic environment if they could actually do something like that. <clears throat> yeah, that's the sort of thing that came out in some of the previous discussions. So let's hear what you guys have to, to say. Um, so from our side, uh, one of uh, the insights uh, we discussed about is as actuaries we've got a duty to protect the policyholder but uh, the bread is buttered by the employer so can you take the employer who butters your bread head on uh, just because you're a professional I don't think we're expecting an answer from you. <laughs> okay. Although I think it is a very valid uh, issue, but um, it's definitely something that you would have to navigate around uh, with the assistance of the more experienced uh, members in the in the profession, with the assistance of the ASA office. Um, I guess something that I've been thinking about a lot is. Um, our role in conjunction with other professional bodies that we work closely with. I know I might seem a bit obsessed with this whole psycho thing, um, but um, where we work closely with a professional body, and in some instances we work for those companies that are implicated and such, what is then our professional body's role in standing up and you know, making a statement or um, uh, helping that association in dealing with the issues that it has as well. Well, like I said, I'm not sure I can answer your question, but I think, um, like I said, there is a wealth of experience among the, the other actuaries. So when you are faced with a specific instance, maybe in your firm, and you now don't know exactly what to, to, to do, then 
talk to the, the office and then you'll be able to get the guidance on that specific issue. Um, but in general, I think that the profession, um, um, shall I say, the, the office of the, of, of the profession, the, the, the subcommittees, the boards, would also equally be of, of assistance on the specific matter that you, you, you might be coming across or facing in your specific um, uh, work environment. I do think that from time to time when there are broad issues where the, the actuarial society uh, is expected to make a contribution or make a comment that the actual society actually does that. Thanks, hi, Rob Rusconi. Um, just some thoughts following the discussion. So these are not your thoughts, guys. Um, we, we, we agreed that the, the code is sufficient and that if we all acted in line with the code, we'd never have any issues, but it seems to be the implementation of the code or the, the whistleblowing or the, you know, how, how does this actually work? Um, one thought that has occurred to me during the course of the day is it's, it's a long time since I did my professionalism course. Now, I'm, I'm here now, so I'm, I'm building professionalism CPD, and I think that's a good thing. But I, I wonder if, um, along with my membership renewal, the profession shouldn't ask me to re-sign the code. Mm -hmm. um, maybe even treat it as a contract. I mean, yeah. you, you don't need to treat us like kids, but get us to initial every page and sign it. Mm -hmm. Because either, either, either we're committed to it or we aren't, mm -hmm. and I, I would have no objection to having to read I mean, I don't know how many of us read contracts that we sign, but mm. let's assume that I'm at least committing myself to, <clears throat> to signing it. And so at the cost of some criticism that we're being treated like kids, it might be a useful yeah. reminder of what we've signed ourselves up for. Mm. And, and with reference to the previous point, yes, mm. a reminder that you need to weigh this up against the butter. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that, that's a very good uh, comment. Because we, we all have read the, the, the code at some point, but now uh, over time, un unless you read it again or you are made to read it again, then you probably won't. And that's where this slow move away from the code actually happens. And then at the end of the day, you find yourself, you've done something, and uh, that something has gotten to... Um, to cause certain events to start rolling, and the next thing you are in the press like that, or the next thing you are held in front of the disciplinary uh, of the of the actuarial body. Yeah. Yes, I think the, the the carrying shall I say the the occasional or regular updating of yourself by attending sessions like this or attending your your, your conventions or being made to. Like renew your vows <laughs> yeah, on a regular basis, um, which gets you to read that code and see what it actually says. And maybe the code itself may well be enough if we all live by it. Okay. Hello. Um, my question is, and this is something I've been thinking about quite deeply, is as professionals, are we allowed to have a personal view or opinion uh, versus a professional one that might differ. And I say this because my, the first speaker, if I had to give my personal opinion, would have been very 
passionate relative to the question that I posed. So as professionals, are you at all times expected to be a professional? Are you allowed to have a personal view that might differ because you're giving it in your personal capacity and not as a professional? Um, something that I've been grappling with uh, previously and also in the context of the TCF discussion earlier this, uh, on the, today is the, was the question on pricing of uh, credit life and until recently there were no limitations on what you can charge and um, I've been in such similar discussions as what I'm going to give you now is where uh, I would say listen I'm not comfortable with the price we can charge two rand and make good money uh, but you're charging five rand and then the shareholder says but um, it's not illegal to charge five rand so I will charge five rand and then I say well I don't like it I'm not comfortable and the owner of the business says well you know it's five rand because it's not illegal. If you're ever in, in that situation, I, you know, I was always wondered what should I do? And then I just realized now, but if you think back of what happened in the so-called bulking scandal, uh, it wasn't really a scandal because what the firm did wasn't illegal. But once uh, the story became published, there was a public outrage to it, uh, which caused a lot of damage. And I think that is what we should think about, is not whether something is legal or not, but what would the public think if it's out in the open? So it could be phrased as follows. Uh, So-and-so firm uh, is um, making so much money estimated on the back of poor people. What would the public think about that? And that's perhaps the question that one could throw back at your employer if you feel that you conflicted and you want to, you know, you're in a position where you have to bite the hand that feeds you. That's perhaps the, the, the narrative one should follow. I think we, we, we do find ourselves in, in situations similar to that where from a professional point of view, you've, you've done your bit, if I were to use the term, and then the business decision that gets taken thereafter, okay, which is now not yours, you might be disagreeing with. Okay. So um, I don't think there is much that you can do other than it may, may, making it clear that your decision is up to that point and then the, we are not making the business decision for the, for the fame. We are giving your advice and your opinion for the role that you've been employed um, uh, to do. And then your board or your management then makes an, their, their business decision. If you are now uncomfortable with that, I think it's all important that you then make your voice heard that you're uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Now, on, uh, on the, the other point that was raised on, do, do you have your own, are you allowed to have your own opinion or have an opinion that differs from, um, uh, maybe from the mainstream? Um, I don't think there's a way, there's anything you can do to restrict or force people to have the same opinion. But I think that there is an accepted uh, standard or norm that the profession um, uh, sort of follows, and by virtue of our membership, uh, we basically we are actually subscribing to that norm or way of doing things. It doesn't stop people having a different opinion. Like we said earlier that we'll all have different opinions, but then let those come out and let those be discussed among the, uh, the, the profession, among the, the, the colleagues and among the peers, with that respect that it, um, uh, it, it requires. 
So it doesn't necessarily mean that you keep quiet or shut up. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> you're not allowed, well, it's not that you're not allowed to, to differ. I think differences of opinion is what helps things develop. Um, and uh, if, if your opinions is vehemently opposed by the rest, maybe go back and have a look at, uh, at your opinion and um, uh, maybe there might be cause for, for you to have a look at it again. Okay. Like I said, I'm not really giving answers. I'm just saying what uh, is coming to me. And um, there is no right and there is no wrong answer. And um, let's hear what uh, anybody else from the audience says. So if I can just add to your comments, Sandili. And I think that it's only by discussing differences of opinion that, and that's part of what thought leadership is. And that's how we all develop and grow is by hearing different opinions and p potentially changing ours, but growing and debating and discussing. So I think it is important that different or opposing opinions are brought out in the open and discussed. Yep. Um, sorry, just to add um, a small comment, I think maybe this might have been the direction that memory was coming from, but um, when you are subscribing to the norms of a particular professional body, if those norms in actual fact um, are not premised um, necessarily on um, what, is, what is relevant to the entire country, then you might find yourself in a sticky situation. I didn't notice um, any real outrage when The Economist suggested this morning that um, because of an anecdotal uh, story he shared that 50 rand a day is, is okay to live on, whereas the rest, the people in this room make far more than 50 rand a day. Um, so as much as it, it, it should be fine for us to welcome um, all sorts of opinions, I think it's a problem where we are presented with the same opinion time and again. So if we really want to challenge ourselves as a professional body, I think it might be appropriate to um, invite some different voices um, that might not necessarily uh, think the way that we think, and that might help us to challenge our thinking a little bit more than yeah. hearing more of the norm. Yeah. Yep. I think... I think that basically says it even more what this discussion is about and maybe take it one step further that if there's differences of opinion about like the very, shall I say, the, 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 the foundation or the, 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 the broad basis or ways of doing things and maybe that different opinion needs to come out and be debated so that we can then debate that um, basically challenging the status quo and then let there be a debate about the status quo because if there is a flow there then whatever comes from there is going to get flowed. Okay. Um, basically to, to close I'm just summarizing the things that came out uh, in the today's discussion that uh, professionalism is what character, characterizes 
uh, profession and its members, and that ethical behavior, like we said, is, is part of it. Um, and we do have a code of, uh, of professional conduct that covers basically the detail and that we should comply um, with. Um, I think the point that was raised here may well be let's have a closer look at that professional code of conduct and see is that the sort of thing that, um, yes, is taken us to, 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 to here, can it take us further uh, forward? And that there are simple tests that may be used to test if uh, actions are ethical or not. Uh, we can basically look and use what we feel works and is appropriate for us. And recent events involving professionals uh, are enough reasons for us to encourage all our members to look closer at what they do and look closer uh, at how uh, they conduct themselves uh, within the, the profession. Once again, uh, thank you very much for, for, for your participation. Uh, my last um, comment to you would be um, if we hold these sessions uh, again uh, next year, uh, we will take into account the comments that have come through uh, into how we can reshape them uh, again or what other content uh, may come in. Uh, there was a, a, co a comment around whistleblowing and there was a comment around uh, uh, issues for public interest. And um, so in, in, in Cape Town there was an issue of uh, the application of sanctions for breaching the, the, the professional code of conduct. That uh, are those sanctions applied or are they applied properly or, or, or what is that are they enough to deter people slowly slipping away uh, from uh, acting in a professional <coughs> manner. So we'll try and incorporate that kind of discussion in the next sessions. Thank you. Um, thank you very much, Sandila. I think that was a great interactive um, session that we all enjoyed. We have come to the end of our day, and um, it is my voice that you will hear at the end. Um, I'd like to thank you all for attending um, this live uh, seminar once again, and I hope you really did see the effort that went in from Asa and Nikki in particular. I'd also like to thank um, Melanie Gladwin for all the effort she puts in to making sure that all the logistics are great and the food is fabulous as it was. Um, there will be um, some surveys going out uh, based on today and how you experienced it over the next two weeks. Please do look out for those in your emails and do fill in so that the sessions next year do really um, provide for what you're looking for out of a seminar. Last but not least, um, Nikki, we have a little something for you, so if you don't mind, please could you come up and just stay young. Um, so that's the end of our session. There will be drinks um, served outside for those of you who aren't in a rush to get home back to your kids and your wives and your husbands. Um, so please do enjoy, and we'll see you at the next one. <laughs>